So this morning we are continuing on with our series in Romans, uh, Faith, uh, Living, Holy, and Pleasing to God. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13 this week. Um, if you remember last week, Paul was talking some about how do we relate to each other, to people in our community, our, our church family, but also even our enemies. And this week, Paul dives into our relationship to the authorities. Um, and so we're going to be talking some about this. And this, uh, this picture is actually, I made this specifically. This is uh, BC Parliament here, building. And the title of this is Resident Aliens. That actually is a title of a book by an author named uh, Stanley Hauerwas, a theologian, talking about how do we as Christians live in society. And this is an important question right now, because governments are putting on restrictions, taking off restrictions. Uh, some people feel compelled to comply. You know, if they say so, then it must be good. Others feel compelled to challenge. If they say so, then, they're, then I feel like I have to rebel against it. Uh, we need to separate out our predispositions and listen to Scripture. So that's part of what this text is about this morning. Now, many churches are complying with uh, governmental restrictions and guidance. Some are being even more cautious. I know the church in Erickson, I don't think they've actually been meeting yet. Like they still aren't gathering together for worship. Some are going the other direction. Some are defying the authorities and continuing on as though nothing has changed. Um, so the question is, how do we, or how should we as individuals, and then how should we as a church respond? Some of you might be asking similar questions. How do we respond? Is this, what about our religious rights? You know, is this persecution? Should we conscientiously object? Or is this, at one point do we begin to consider civil disobedience? Maybe some are asking, should we join protests? Maybe some are asking, should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Thankfully, God gives us direction for life uh, through Scripture. That's one of the reasons why I love this book. Uh, it was, it's inspired by God, but it wasn't written in the heavens, so to speak. It wasn't written by angels for the sake of angels. It was written by humans, by people that God inspired. This book is written with its feet firmly planted on the ground and has meaning and application for our lives now, today. All right. So, let's dig into this passage. So it begins like this. It says, uh, actually, let me just step one step back here. Uh, I love this passage. I'm going to get to it in a second here. Um, I love how easy it is to follow, um, but I also have a hard time with how difficult it is to, um, to apply it in our lives. The grammar is easy compared to last week and the more poetic structure of last week. This particular passage is clear, it's concise, and it makes sense. But I struggle with this passage because it states things actually so simply, so starkly. And so, uh, if you only had this passage, I think it would be hard to apply or to live it out as Christians. So let me show you what I mean here. Let's begin. Everyone must submit himself or herself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, this is the leading premise of the whole section. And it states it pretty, pretty clear-cut right there. Um, but I want to talk about some of the words here. This first word here is submit. Um, he's not saying you have to support or agree with, but rather submit to. The word here is hupotasso, uh, which means hupo means under, tasso means to arrange or to place. So you're basically placing yourself or arranging yourself under authority. The word tasso here is a key word for this whole section, so pay attention to this word tasso because you're going to hear it a lot this morning. 
Now, it says the same, this is the same sort of submission that Paul calls for uh, throughout his letters. One of them, he'd say, like, as Christians, we should hupotasso. We should come under the leadership of our spiritual leaders. We should even hupotasso or, or submit to one another. He talks about this in terms of slaves, of submitting to masters, of wives, submitting to husbands. And he has this word hupotassos throughout the New Testament, and it's more about willingness to come under the leadership of. The same submission Peter calls, uh, so this is Paul we're reading this morning, but Peter calls for this same sort of submission in his letter to the churches of Asia Minor. Now, Paul says these authorities have been, here he says these authorities have been established by God. Now, this word established actually has the same root, tasso, as submit. So he's saying that God has arranged them in their place. They have been placed there by God. Just as we place and our, arrange ourselves under their authority, they have been placed in authority by God. So it's sort of like this play on words, but sort of gives this indication of like a chain of command. God to authorities and then those who place ourselves under them. This is the leading premise of the whole passage. To submit to authorities because they are placed in their position by the authority of God. Okay, so this is kind of the head sentence. Then after this, he says, Consequently, he or she who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Now this word rebel here, guess what? Same root, tasso. But it's actually here, it's anti-tasso. To go against your placement. And by rebelling, you go against what God has instituted. And this Greek word here, instituted, root word, tasso, again. Diatasso, right. It's talking about how God has placed them there. And so, all this means that it's ordered by God. Now, the key point is that rebelling against authorities is essentially rebelling against God. And only when we do so, or only when we do wrong, do we have something to fear. Paul says people do, who do right have nothing to fear from the authorities, which in most normal and humane situations is true. But not all situations are normal. I think about 1940s uh, Germany as being a, a recent exception. Um, about inhumane authorities, and we'll come back to that. So, Paul goes on. He says, Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you, for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So, um, I think Paul's argument here assumes a degree of goodness in the authority. I would say that the sort of authorities found in most situations. I think in Canada today, the, the party that's in power may not be your particular uh, party, the one that you like, but I would still say it is still humane. They still, aren't unable, they still aren't able to unjustly kill or imprison people. So it's only the criminal who has anything to worry from our current government, say, in Canada. Then Paul says this. He says, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Submit because of punishment and conscience. Essentially, because of consequences of breaking the law. So if you break the law, you're going to be punished, put in jail. Um, and because of God has put them in place. That's what he means by conscience. So that we aren't uh, rebelling against authorities because in doing so, we're rebelling against the authority that God has put there. So, said more plainly, not only will you get in trouble if you rebel, 
but you're going against the leader whom God has established. Now this is the final summation of Paul's whole point here, to submit to authorities. From here, he uses paying taxes as an example to paint the picture. He says this, he says, This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As Christians, we should speak respectfully. I want to draw on this word respect. We should speak respectfully of those in authority. In this current climate, trust me, I know it's tempting to call them all sorts of names. Snakes, liars, criminals, stupid, all sorts of derogatory names. I get it. But we should also speak with respect and honor due to their position, if not to their character. For example, the snap election in BC right now, I'm frustrated with the timing of it and what seemed to be, to me, to be the motives of it. Now, I can run down Premier Horgan. I can talk about, and I might feel good for about 20 seconds to get all my frustrations off my chest, but no one would care. Except maybe people who felt similarly frustrated. They might join in and say, yeah, this guy's horrible, and let's talk more about that. But the trouble is, it would change nobody's mind about him, about his policies. And I think the only person who would lose credibility would be me. So, I'd like... Uh, and actually, I think I would look like nothing more than just another opinionated blowhard if all I did was uh, run down political leaders. But when I speak respectfully, but honestly, thoughtfully critiquing policy rather than name-calling, now I think that's different. I think that's more compelling for people. People are interested when you say, like, uh, I was listening to a guy today who I don't really agree with, but I was listening to him, and he sounded like, you know, actually, he's a thoughtful guy, and I'm interested in what he had to say. Now, I know it's tempting to berate politicians. Trust me. Uh, I feel discouraged. I feel disappointed and utterly frustrated with just about every politician I can think of. But when I speak about them, as I read this text, then I should speak about them with respect to their office, even if I don't really care for the person. That's not to say that we can't speak the truth. I think that we should. It's incumbent upon us to be honest. To still name all the problems with their policies, as we see it. To name and to not cover over their moral or ethical transgressions. But name-calling and insults are beneath our dignity as members of the kingdom of God. Insults and name-calling are beneath our dignity as Christians. In this case, if we can't say something respectfully, then it will be better if we just say nothing at all. Okay, so what do we do with this passage? How do we make sense of it? How should it shape our life? First, let's read this text in light of the whole Bible. All right? First of all, this is not a one-off text. This is not just some rare, obscure text that we can ignore. This is a consistent teaching throughout the New Testament. Jesus talked about it with taxes. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, um, and give to God what is God's. Paul has taught this uh, consistently through his letters. Peter talked about it in his letter. John talked about it in his letter in Revelation. So we can't just ignore it. We can't just leave it out. But there are cases in Scripture where these same leaders defied the authorities. Jesus defied the Sanhedrin. 
Peter and Paul were imprisoned and eventually killed. John was exiled to Patmos precisely because they challenged the authorities. So how do we know when we should resist authorities? What are the right circumstances for that? First, I would say only if it contradicts Scripture. So what I mean by that is if authorities are calling us to kill innocent people, then as Christians we should resist. If authorities are calling us to denounce Jesus, as Christians we should resist. When it contradicts Scripture, then we should resist. We have to face the consequences, no doubt, um, and we shouldn't, but we shouldn't submit. On the other hand, if they are limiting, like for example, if they're limiting the gathering of people, like say for a church or a worship service, then I think in this situation we should submit, we should come under their leadership. If they mandate, for example, wearing masks in church, then I think we should come under the leadership. We should hupotasso, place ourselves under their authority. Okay, the second part here is um, when God compels us to resist. Now, this one is tricky. This one is way more subjective and much more rare because it would be taking God's leading to go against God's word. So you have to be very careful with this. This is that, this is the one, um, this approach where you have to be very, very careful and with the utmost humility to be wrong. To say, you know what, to listen to brothers and sisters and say, this is what I'm hearing from God. This is what I think I need to do. Will you please pray with me along this, along, alongside me in this. Now, there are some Christians, even now, who feel compelled by God to defy pandemic restrictions. If that's God's calling to them, then, as Peter said to the Sanhedrin, that it's true, they say, we must obey God rather than men. But they also have to be very careful and very honest is there non-compliance? Is that truly God's direction? Or is it just their frustration with being told what to do? You have to be very careful about that, very honest with yourself. Because the one who rebels without God's direction is actually rebelling against authorities and the consequences that come with that, but also rebelling against God who says respect authorities whom he has placed in power. Okay, so other than these two, we should submit to authorities regardless of what we feel about their particular, their particular party in power or the person in authority, as Christians we should be as known as people who submit to authority. We should be known as people who contribute to the common good, not be known as troublemakers. Let me finish with a real-world example. If we are required to wear a mask, should we wear them? Right? I'm just thinking about, like, what a crazy political hot button this has become, wearing a mask. If we are required to wear them, then I would say yes. Unless it legitimately threatens your health, wear them. Unfortunately, mask wearing seems like a long time ago, like it left the realm of scientifically is it beneficial and has become a social political hot button. Watch this. Um, when I do this, Not only does it sound different, <laughs> but there is a whole group of people uh, who would look at me as a forward-thinking, conscientious, caring person who is doing what the medical authorities have, guidelines they have given us to help people stay safe, okay? 
then there's a whole other group who will look at me as someone who's been brainwashed by the government, giving up my personal rights just to fit in. Okay? Now watch. When I do this, I won't put it back on your seat. Now when I do this, there that, that group that just a moment ago loved me and thought like, wow, what a caring and conscientious person. Now, they think that I'm nothing more than an ignorant conspiracy theorist um, who has no regard for the lives of others. And meanwhile, those who hated me or thought I was ridiculous for wearing it, now they're cheering me on as the individual, uh, as a free-thinking individual who has the courage to stand up for personal freedoms, right? Just by wearing a mask. Or not, right? To me, both extremes are crazy. <laughs> In BC, we're not required to wear a mask. Some advise it, some say it helps. Other people say, unless it's medical grade and worn properly, um, it's useless, it's worthless. But for me right now, because it's not required, I don't wear it. But in stores, when I am required to wear it, I do, without a problem. I carry it in my pocket, put it on, go in the store, no problem. It's not a hill that I think we should die on. As Christians, wearing a mask doesn't go against Scripture. I don't hear God calling me not to wear a mask as a prophetic act. So, in light of, today, in light of today's text, I'd wear one. I'd wear one even in church if that became a requirement. Regardless, and this is my own bias, regardless how effective I thought it was, if it was required, I would come under the authority of those above us. So this morning, <clears throat> I want to return back to this, this idea that how do we conquer evil? Because there's a lot of evil going on right now. Frustrations and animosity back and forth. How do we overcome evil? Do we, we don't overcome evil with more evil. We don't overcome evil by joining in the yelling and the shouting and the screaming, but rather we overcome evil with good. And so, I think for us, submitting to authorities when it doesn't go against Scripture, I think frees us up to continue to talk about Jesus. <clears throat> a friend of mine was just talking about <clears throat> a conversation they were having with a non-Christian. And when they said, as a Christian... Um, I think we should do this sort of thing. I think we should, maybe, for example, wear masks. The person looked at them and was just like, man, this is, this is so much more easier to talk with you rather than debating about masks or not. They were able to hear about Jesus. And so, if there are things that come up right now, our authorities will give possibly new restrictions or things. As far as we are able, I think we should come under the authority. We should submit to them as long as it doesn't contradict Scripture, as long as we don't feel called by God to go against it for us to do that, so that we, have, we are free to share this good news about Jesus, that it doesn't become a barrier or a stumbling block for people.